From you comes my praise in the great assembly. I will perform my vows in the sight of those who fear the Lord. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Let those who seek the Lord give praise. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of nations shall bow before God. For dominion belongs to the Lord who rules over the nations. Indeed, all who sleep in the earth shall bow down and worship. All who go down to the dust, though they be dead, shall kneel before the Lord. Their descendants shall serve the Lord, whom they shall proclaim to generations to come. They shall proclaim God's deliverance to a people yet unborn, saying to them, The Lord has acted. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. That's how we're normally supposed to end the psalm from tradition long ago. Well, our psalm for this week comes out of Psalm 22. It's a longer psalm, 31 verses, and we're just doing verses 25 through 31. But Psalm 22 is one of those texts, we're actually looking at it at Bible study today, uh, where we're going to be, of course, looking at it from the perspective of Christ, from the perspective of uh, Christ's work uh, and, and how Psalm 22 tends to be used by the early church, by the New Testament, um, and by how it should be used by us as a, a Christ-centered prayer, a Christ-centered psalm, because there's so many things in it that, that connect to him as far as the whole, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me part that, that Christ speaks from the, the cross. It's there that it talks about dividing his garments. All my bones are out of joint. They pierce my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones while, while they stare at me and gloat. Um, all those things that are connected to the crucifixion of Christ. And then we get this last part. This last part is almost a, okay, all this other first stuff happened. Now we get this last part that is this glorious declaration of all this agony that took place in Jesus, his crucifixion, him being on the cross. Now we get to the good stuff of crying out to God in thanks. 22 tends to be a lament psalm, and yet we get this beautiful picture at the end, right? From you come my, comes my praise in the great assembly. I will pour, perform my vows in the sight of those who fear the, the Lord. First, this calling of needing to be in the assembly, needing to be joined in a place to pray, to praise, to sing, to hear the word, all these things, this calling back to us. Of, it's important for us to join together because the church is a place where you can have people from all across financial and ethnic backgrounds join together and being joined together because of Christ. But here we, we say that our praise, even our praises that happen on Sunday, come from God. It's built up by him and we declare it in the assembly and we make vows and all those other things, uh, uh, wanting to hold on to the promises of God. And that says the poor shall eat and be satisfied. Why? Because we're all poor. You may have more money than me, but that's not going to make much difference once you're on your deathbed. You may have more money than the guy down the street, but the reality is, is that God feeds you just as much as he feeds him. The difference is, is he might be better off because uh, possibly he might be more satisfied. I don't know. That, that's something I've been thinking about lately. Uh, of the contentment or satisfaction of, of receiving the simple things from God instead of needing a T-bone steak, being okay with grilled cheese, right? 
Let those who seek the Lord give praise. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations shall bow before God. Why? Because of all the other things that happen at the beginning of this psalm. Go back and read it yourself. I'm reading it here out of our hymnal because that will be the text that we'll be using on Sunday. Uh, but realizing that the ends of the earth are being joined under the crown of Christ, the crown that he will eventually give back to the Father, but he sits now triumphantly at the right hand of the Father because of his work being done for us. That that uh, he, by him going to the cross, he has won everything. It's all over. And so now, the, the, the ends of the earth shall turn to the Lord, be repented, shall, shall turn back to him, and all the families of nations shall bow before God. Why? Because of what God has done in Jesus. Bowing before him as the king he is. For dominion belongs to the Lord who rules over the nations. I love that word dominion. It gives this picture of a cloud or an umbrella covering all of humanity, covering all of the universe that dominion being in God. Indeed, all who sleep, I love this, indeed, all who sleep in the earth shall bow down and worship. You want a resurrection text? Here you go. All who sleep in the earth shall bow down and worship. That's one of the things that we talk about uh, in death. The Christian understands death as falling asleep in Christ. That's how Paul talks about it. That's how a lot of our liturgies talk about it. That's how we should talk about it. Falling asleep in Christ. And then God shows up in Christ with that big trumpet. So it's time to get up. He's like the drill sergeant coming in with the big metal trash can. Waking us up from the dead. And here it says that indeed all who fall asleep who sleep in the earth shall bow down and worship. All who go down to the dust, though they be dead, shall kneel before the Lord. That even the dead are going to be resurrected and bow down before God. And that is where our joy lies. That death cannot remove you from God. That you're not removed from God at the point of death. That you still lay in God's hands, even in the earth, even in the dust, and you will bow down eventually in him even after you die. That, that, that should be beautiful, church. We should hold on to this text forever because we're all going to be on our deathbeds, and I want to have someone whisper this in my ear to say, pretty soon you are going to fall asleep. Boy, just wait. Just wait. And it says, their descendants shall serve the Lord, whom they shall proclaim to generations to come. I wonder, will our descendants, do we have those in our life that we're raising up as descendants in the church? As those who are going to cling to Christ, to trust in him, to have a faith built up so that when death comes for them, they sit here and they hear this text and they go, yes. And when I'm dead, then I shall live in him. And finally, this last verse. It seems weird to be doing this because we just had this as part of Lent. But they shall proclaim God's deliverance to a people yet unborn, saying to them, the Lord has acted. That God is the one who has done this. 
and that will continue generation after generation after generation. Our training up of our young people now is so that they can train up young people under them, so that they can train up young people under them to pass on the faith. So I wonder, church, are we doing that? I wonder. I pray and hope that we would be emboldened in that, to have that conviction, that boldness, to want to speak of Christ to our grandchildren, to our children, to raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, that they might cling to him and fear him and know that he has acted even for them. Let us pray. O God, you give us your Son as the vine apart from whom we cannot live. Nourish our life in his resurrection that we may bear the fruit of love and know the fullness of your joy through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Well, church, go in peace. Serve the Lord. We'll see you tomorrow with 1 John.